in a world of iconic riffs, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is the Great Metal Standoff. Thanks very much, voiceover guy. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans, and this is The Great Metal Standoff, the podcast that pits some of the most iconic albums ever one-on-one in track-by-track combat. Now, uh, as you may remember in our previous episode, the first ever episode of The Great Metal Standoff, we had pitted the two most iconic albums from the two juggernaut metal bands that changed the way we perceive metal today in in some extent. Obviously, they're not an inventor of it, but they're most definitely an innovator of the genre. Master of Puppets versus Rust in Peace by the two, once again, I'm going to say the word juggernaut a lot, the juggernaut bands Metallica and Megadeth. Now, since that episode, I've gone and made a little bit of an effort to explore some long-lasting debates to, at that sort of scale in other genres of rock and of more the rock and roll genre. So, listeners... We're starting this week with a massive swerve. Massive swerve. In this brand new venture called the Great Metal Standoff, right out of the gate, I'm going to be diverging into different genres because that is something I'd, I would like to explore here on this show. We're gonna, I mean, in the intro, I say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore. I'm willing to talk about anything outside of that umbrella. It's all good, so... It's a way of diversifying our, our content. So that so with that being said, this week we're going to be settling a long-lasting debate in the world of punk. Now, to do this, I've enlisted a guest that will help me decide one of pop punk's greatest debates, Green Day's American Idiot from 2004 versus My Chemical Romance's The Black Parade of 2006. Now, from what I could gather, this was a far, far, far-flung pop-punk debate that has lasted since these albums have come into existence, but it's a very recent one, so a nice little modern twist. So this time, my guest and I will decide to who pick a winner out of those two. To do this, I've brought in a former Mosh Pit presenter, executive producer... To do this, I've brought in a former Mosh Pit presenter and executive producer, and she happens to be a Green Day and My Chem superfan. Her name is Ellen Pritchard. Someone who, when I was pitching this concept of the show back earlier this year, she got especially excited when I had this battle on the on the table. You know, once again, Green Day and Mike Cam's super fan, so it would be all good news for her. So I've brought her in onto this show to help me settle this debate. Now, the rules. I've done a little bit of tweaking since the pilot episode, so the rules are now standing as follows. Number one, each battle goes through track by track, that remains the same. However, I have tweaked rule number two. If in the event of one album containing more tracks than the other, now for this instance, that rule will come into effect because Ellen and I had agreed to discuss the hidden track that is on the Black Parade album, we'll, and you'll hear more of that once we get to the battlefield. Points can be awarded to the uncontested track. Now, originally, I said that you can award the track if you would actively seek the song out again, but I thought... To be a bit more concise, instead of saying proclaiming that you would seek the song out again, I believe we will award a point to the uncontested song by allotting them a gold star. So we must 
allot the song a gold star for that song to receive a point. And if you don't want to allot that song a point, you award it with a grey star. So from now on, uncontested songs will be decided via gold star or grey star. And the winner with the most accumulative points by both our, by both us, the panellists, will be declared the winner. All right. With that being said, let's head over to the studio where Ellen is standing by. The battlefield is ready and the audience is attendance and the timekeeper is queued. So let's head on over there. It is Green Day's American Idiot versus Mike Hem's The Black Parade. I'm excited. Can we decide on a winner this time? Because it is interesting. Back under the Metallica v Megadeth one with Reese McKenzie... We went. We had to settle with a draw. So, are we only going to fuel the fire of this long-lasting debate, or are we going to be able to settle it right here on the Great Metal Center? We'll find out. Ellen is waiting. Let's head over to her. Roll the audio. All right, we are in the battle zone here at the Great Metal Standoff, and I have summoned in the a former Mosh Pit executive producer and presenter, and a Green Day and My Chem super fan. Her name is Ellen Pritchard. Welcome to the studio. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah it's something amusing about my intro, is it? <laughs> is there? No, no. It's just I like I don't know. I just felt awkward, so I started laughing. <laughs> That's the perfect way to kick off a podcast, isn't it? Okay, so I've summoned you in because you were very adamant on coming on the show for when we were doing a battle between Green Day's "American Idiot" of two thousand four and My Chemical Romance's. Black the Black Parade the Black released Parade, in two thousand six. Yeah. You were very excited when I brought that yeah. battle into contention. Why is that? Because these are two of what I think are two of the best albums, and they're two of my favorite albums. And I saw Green Day live, and I was like a mega super fan of My Chem when I was like nineteen, which I'm now like twenty two. But like, I used I listened to the Black Parade album so many times in my car that it like stopped working because I had it on CD. <laughs> So, if you have a CD in your car for too long, does it just naturally erode away and scratch? Yeah, like I had an old uh, radio, like stereo system from like 1998, because I had an old car. So. Right, right, right. What was the car? Uh, Nissan Pulsar. Actually, okay. I, I still have the car. It's, <laughs> it's still the car I drive around. Keep Keeping to your traditions, that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So, where were you in life when you first discovered them then? Uh, do you mean like impact. the Black Parade or uh, Green Day? I'd say both. It, where were you when these albums came into your life? Because obviously they'd been out for many, many years yeah, before you yeah, discovered yeah. them. Where were you at? Where was I at? All right. Well, American Idiot. Well, I knew the song American Idiot for a long time because it was like when I was in primary school, people always played it. Um, but when I, first, when I actually started listening to it was when I got into heavy music. When I got into Nirvana, I started listening to Green Day as well. I really liked um, American Idiot and also some of the other albums. And then My Cam was pretty much around the same time. <laughs> I just, like, started liking Nirvana and then, you know, it grew. So just confirming, was that so primary school, secondary school again? Oh, no, I was, like, 17, almost 18. Okay, wow, so VCE period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So probably when you're at the pinnacle of your most rebellious, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's when I was in my I'm darkest days. I'm 19 myself, so I'm still kind of in it was, that it state. Was, yeah, it was when I was in my darkest days, darkest rebellious days. So were they the shining light in your dark days? <laughs> yeah. That's really good, Ruth. Really, really good. So, we are pitting these two albums up against each other. What do you reckon, they are kind of... You can talk about one without talking about the other. Why do you reckon that is? What do you mean? Well, 
when the Black Parade came out, I was reading a couple of reviews, and they were it was very strongly compared to um, American Idiot. Mm-hmm. Why do you reckon that would be? Well, I mean, like they both sort of they're both like they both are c- concept albums. Um, I guess they both sort of have that dark feel to them, but I think that it's hard to compare the two albums. I mean, like it is and it isn't. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess maybe, so. probably not. <laughs> we'll probably find out. We'll find out as we progress along. So this is how the battles work. This is your first time tuning into the Great Metal Standoff. This is how it's going to work. We're going to go track by track and work out which song is best in our personal, humble opinion. We're we're trying to celebrate the best of music. We're not going to try and be critics here. We're going to try and celebrate what makes these songs great. So we're not being critics at all. No, but okay. as you, but we have decided before coming into this show that we wanted to talk about um, the Black Parade's hidden track, Blood. Yes, that's right. So that slants the track listing 14 to 13. So when we get to Blood, the way we can award a point, it can, we can contest it for a point, but the only way to give it a point is if you give it a gold star. What does that mean? So gold star, you can give it a point. If you give it a grey star, it will not receive a point so to the what, overall score. What determines a gold or a grey star? Whether you would seek it out again. Seek it out again. Actively seek it out again. Like actively listen to it. Yes. Is that what you mean? Okay. No, no fifty fifties. No hesitation. <laughs> you love this song so much that you would give it a gold. No, star. but like I, I listen to. You see, that's kind of hard for me because I listen to the Black Parade album in my car from like start to finish, so it just like comes on. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I go and seek out like. I mean, sometimes I want to listen to Welcome to the Black Parade, but like. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Whereas right. I feel like with American Idiot, I would listen to those songs like as a whole or just as separate as well. All right. Excellent. Alan Pritchard, I think it's time to break it down. See that timekeeper over in the corner of our studio here? Yeah. He can ring the bell in three, two, one. Timekeeper, please ring the bell. <coughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so let's start off with track one. For Green Day, we have the title track, American Idiot versus The Black Parade's The End. This is track one. Yeah. So, first things first, we have to talk about American Idiot's title track. Mm-hmm. It's pissing iconic. <laughs> it cha- is it a game changer in punk, in your opinion? I'm actually going to turn the tables and say that, I mean, like, it's not my favourite song. Like, I wouldn't actively, like, go and listen to it all the time. I feel like I have to be in the mood to listen to it but at the same time I think it did create a big statement at the time and the message that it was portraying it's a very um political song that they released at the time in like this post you know 9-11 America especially yeah it's calling out um uh, agenda spinning media not part of a redneck agenda yeah and it, it definitely did criticize it was cri- it was very critical of the Iraqi war at the time yeah, it's definitely like a political song. Um, it's a strong start but I, to the album, but I just feel like it doesn't. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. Really? Yeah. Okay. Very mixed feelings. In comparison, The End on the Black Parade. Now, let's just put this straight, listeners. I hadn't listened to the Black Parade in its entirety before until I was researching for this show. Which I so think is crazy. The fir- so the first <laughs> time I listened to the end, it my mind was spinning at the moment. Like, are we in a church? Are we at the opera? What the hell is happening? It was. It starts off it, with like the hospital beeping. Yes. I think that the end is one of the greatest starts to an album ever. Really. I love it. I think it's such a great song. 
it's like such a great it sets the tone for the whole album and then when it ends and it goes into dead it, it's it's a great song okay so if you had to pick between the two which one would you get the point i would pick the end the end yeah the end Dangerous, starker, dangerous, because we differ already. I'd take American Idiot. The end blew my mind when I first listened. I did not expect that kind of a start, but I just can't like, top he- the like, legacy of American Idiot. Like, That's why. How I did it blow your mind, though? Oh, I just didn't expect the grand avant-garde nature of the whole thing. <laughs> Seriously, it was like, is it, it felt like someone just went was in a, at a church organ and just went ballistic. It's such. It's so good. It and like and like the lyrics as well. I love the lyrics to it. I think it's a great song. Excellent. So yeah, Excellent. my point goes to the end. So your point's going to go to the end. Mine is actually going to go to American Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so we differ immediately right off the bat. Next up, Jesus of Suburbia versus Dead. It's sort of hard here because Jesus of Suburbia is like, what is it? And it says here nine minutes long, whereas Dead is only three minutes long. And Jesus yeah. of Suburbia is sort of... Split into five it's parts. It's split into it five parts as well. So it's, it's sort of um, difficult to compare those two. What's what's your thoughts on it? Um, it's It's very much like, I feel like it's very much the narrator of a book. They kind of it's kind of like if it was you know you're, you're reading a book and you're turning the pages it has all these different parts so it's very well constructed it's like a n- lovely little narrative dead holy crap the energy in that <laughs> holy crap can we just talk about the energy in that so in the story of the black parade a man has been diagnosed with cancer well the character's name is the patient am I correct I actually didn't know that there was a character's name but you know maybe there is. Perhaps there is, but he's, so he's been diagnosed with cancer and has been given two weeks to live at this point in the album. Okay. Seriously, it is so frenetic. It is so energetic. I would give it the point. Yeah, but you know, like the the thing about, I mean, like sort of going down the album. Maybe we can talk about this later with the song "Cancer," but it's sort of like, um, a bit about like how he's sort of like fighting. He's not like resorted to being sad, sort of, right. but he's like. Tenacious, do you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> the dead guitar solo. Opinions on that? Uh, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I'm trying to remember analysis. what it is. <laughs> Can you play it? Uh, we're on podcast. We can't exactly do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I listened to the album like earlier today. Um, yeah, I I really like it. I mean, I like every song on. Black Parade. I think Dead's really good. I like how the end goes smoothly into Dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's great. But in this one, I would probably have to give the point comparing those two to Jesus of Suburbia. Reason being is that it just tells a tells a really big story in like one song, and it tells the story you know of um Jesus of Suburbia slash Saint Jimmy. Okay. And um. Yeah, I mean, like, I know this isn't, like, probably part of it, but the music video is really good for Jesus of Suburbia. Okay, okay, explain <laughs> explain what makes it so superb. What makes it so superb? It just, like, um, well, it's got, like, St. Jimmy, and he's, like, angry, and he's, like, he, like, pisses off his girlfriend and his mom, and then he's just, like, I don't know, it just tells a really good story. It's really good. I would probably, yeah, I'd give my point to Jesus of Suburbia. Right, okay. I it's like, it's it. like the angsty, you know, like the dark, like um, the cynical and depravity of like suburbia that I guess Billy Joe was feeling. 
when he wrote it or was inspired by it. Probably most prominent in the I don't care part. That's very angsty. Great face, <laughs> but very, very angsty. But there is self-reflection in there in the part four, part, the part four portion of this song, Dearly Beloved. Mm. And then I just really enjoy the base of Tales of a Broken Home, part five of Jesus of Suburbia. But because of its energy and freneticness, I'd give my point to Dead. Yeah. And also maybe because it's a bit shorter and it, there's a lot more going on in my opinion. That's what I would give in my opinion. My humble fan celebrating music opinion, I'd give my point to Dead. So technically, at this point in, in the race, it's 1-1. One, one. Yeah, because I'm giving it to Jesus of Suburbia. Yes, yeah. Great have. song, hands down. <laughs> Great song, hands down. Definitive here on the Great yes. Standoff. Okay, so next Coming up. Coming in now, strong. Now, it's a bit difficult to distinguish um, the Green Day and Black Parade. Um, uh, what's the correct word? Tail of the tape, because now these songs morph into each other. So I've decided to split them in two. So we'll go Holiday versus This Is How I Disappear. Okay, that's what I had anyway. So track three, Holiday versus track three, This Is How I Disappear. Yeah, that's what yes. we're doing? Yes, that is what we're doing. Okay, I think that in this this matchup, I think that Holiday is the better song um, from Green Day's American Idiot. I like This Is How I Disappear, but it's not my favourite song from the album. So if I was to choose one of the two, I would choose Holiday. Um, I like how it's like very strong. It does have that political aspect in it as well, um, which is nice. It's like, um, what do you say? It's... I don't know what I was going to say. It's like good, you know, good rhythm, good tune. Very groove. energetic. It's yeah, groove. it's got a groove. Energetic groove? We yeah. Could say. We could coin that a phrase. I don't know if it's really groove. groove. Like, isn't groove like a different like genre of music? Well, it's very 70s <laughs> disco, I believe. Yes. <laughs> it's not disco. It's um, most definitely not disco. Um, just in researching this, Holiday, this is what I found about Holiday, out, outright politically motivated track. It was basically... Um, resenting the Iraqi war going on at the time. Mm -hmm. At this point in the story, the character is living on the streets, convincing himself running away from his town was the right thing to do, still alone and shunned, but he is gaining self-confidence. Do you match this emotion listening to that? Do you match <laughs> that emotion? That Wait, you, what, you what, feel what alone and shunned, but you have self-confidence about you? I mean, maybe. Like, I mean, like listening to these albums is... Um, you know, like I definitely relate to a lot of like the themes that they talk about, which is why I love the Black Parade so much. Um, and obviously American Idiot so much, but yeah, I'd say I relate to it, but, um, maybe not in the exact same way, but definitely relate to the themes and, um, the stuff that is going on in so the So you songs. feel the groove of Holiday, but you don't feel the emotions of Holiday quite well, as I mean, like it's a political song. Yeah. Um, Talks about like there's that line the representative from California has the floor. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of hard to sort of relate to that because I'm not really involved in American politics. Um, but I just think it's a really good, energetic song. I love listening to it. Whereas in contrast, this is how I disappear, which is my cam. What I really enjoyed about it is that it still hadn't led up with the energy. It's a three song worth of just nonstop in your face energy from. My Chemical Romance, by this point in the song. A lyric that stood out to me, and without you is how I disappear. I like that line. 
See, all of the lines in My Chemical Romance are so, so sad. I mean, like, do you, do you remember the Borderline lyrics from... Morbid. Yeah, do you remember the lyrics from the the first one, The the End? Yeah. Where it's like, um, you might wake up and notice you're someone you're not. If you look in the mirror and yes. don't like what you see, you'll find out firsthand what it's like to be me. Yes. I have literally, like... Yeah. Listen to that so many times, and, and like, the way Jared Way delivered it, it, uh, it, 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 it kind of, it's, a, it's half freaky and frenetic, and that, that's what I kind of really enjoyed about it. Yeah, yeah. I might actually be in agreement with you. You were giving your point to Holiday, weren't you? Yeah, that's I right. Might I actually go. I might actually go with you, also based on the point of what it transitions into. Oh, the, into that. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. It transitions into Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That's probably one of my personal favorite. I'll tell you what. Green Day songs, and that goes up against the sharpest lives. I saw Green Day live um, back in May 2017, so about two years ago now. Um, when it, they, all right, so I was sort of up near the front, like they had sort of like a catwalk thing that came out, and I was on the edge of that. So I was, and Billy Joe spent so much time on the end. So I was like right up close. When they sang Boulevard of Broken Dreams, I was just like shouting out the lyrics to like the whole thing. Like, you know how the crowd like gets, sometimes they start singing before like the band does. They yeah. get it wrong. Like, it I think was... the best, uh, the best indicator of that was um, the uh, life, the Glastonbury 2013. My goodness, that, that's phenomenal. What was that? They, they were singing Boulevard way before. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened at my concert. Probably happens at every concert. Yeah. That song is so good. But comparing it to The Sharpest Lives, I do like, I love the lyrics to The Sharpest Lives as well, how he says, give me a shot to remember. Mm-hmm. And um, just the other stuff, like if I, um, something about like sleep on the couch, can I sleep in my clothes or something? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love I love Sharpest Lives. It's one of my favourite songs on the album, Black Parade album. Like I said, I'm using a theme of freneticness throughout the Black Parade, and this one is probably the pinnacle of that. And uh, it's probably proven how crazy and insane it's gotten when you're reading a lyric called In Love With All These Vampires So You Can Leave Like The Sane Abandoned Me. It's like goodbye to my sanity, it feels (laughs) like, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I feel like lyrics sometimes... They don't make sense in the same in the same way. Um, like some songs, you can sort of break down and be like, "Yeah, this is like telling like a uh, like succinct story." But then some songs, it's just like sometimes lines are just in there, and you think, "What does that even mean?" Do you know what I mean? I just I thought when I heard that, okay, okay, yeah, someone's someone's uh, losing their mind a little bit metaphorically. I would yeah. say. But well, it Boulevard... is called the sharpest life, so it could be like a. Um, what do you call it, like an sarcastic sort of thing? Could be. Edge like, the knife kind of thing. Like the sharpest lives, like it, maybe because he's like slowly drifting into insanity. It's like a right. he's not sharp, if like you understand what I mean. Okay. It okay. could be like, you you could think of it like that, I guess. Okay. Righto. But uh, I don't know. Th- I have I kind of have a connection to Boulevard, and that's probably why I'd, I'd, I'd actually take Boulevard. Yeah, it's it's actually really hard for me to pick between these two songs. I thought actually, this one I, would tr- give you. <laughs> I thought this one would give you struggle. <laughs> I actually love both of these songs so much. Um, is it possible to tie for like two of them? You're gonna pick. You gotta pick one or the other. Pick Ellen. one. Picking one or the other. Okay. 
It's either the somber, lonely-filled boulevard of broken dreams, the lonely road. I love that. that no one will right. ever know. I'm gonna have to give it to Green Day for that boulevard of broken dreams. That is such a great song. The sharpest lives is a great song as well. But <laughs> I'm gonna have to give it to Boulevard. It, it sounds begrudging from the sound of your voice there. I know because I love my cam. <laughs> well, point. currently at I've this given point, all the points to Green Day. Currently <laughs> at this point in time, it is three to one. Both are both in favour of Green. There you go. This one might be interesting because I reckon this one would have been very tricky for you to work out. Track five, Are We the Waiting versus Welcome to the Black Parade. So I can tell you right now that I'm giving this point to Welcome to the Black Parade. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Welcome to the Black Parade, I mean, that's such an iconic song. Like, everyone listens to it. I mean, like, if someone puts it on, everyone all of a sudden, like, goes back to, you know, that time that they... Used to listen to it. Everyone says like they had their emo phase, and like that song's like the pinnacle. The of, pinnacle like, of the emo yeah, phase. The is emo it? phase, yeah. That song is so good. I mean, if you watch the music video, it has like the guy and he's in his hospital bed, and then he like there's nurses and he reaches out, and it has like the parade going down. It's really good, and I think that Are We the Waiting is a really good song. I they performed that live when I saw Green Day, but how was that? Because that sounds like the anthem of the night. Yeah, it was a really great song. It went into St. Jimmy, like it does here. I'll tell you what was interesting about seeing Green Day Live. They performed more more songs from American Idiot than from the album that they were touring for. Okay, well, of course. <laughs> it's, kept the, it's kept them as the juggernaut of pop punk today. That's right. Because at that point in time, American Idiot was kind of a, a saving grace for them because they had a little bit of a low period, didn't they, with the warning albums and... Maybe. I mean, like, they came out strong when they had Dookie back in yeah, and then it was and then they had um, Nimrod. Insomniac. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely think American Idiot was big, big breakthrough album for them. Yeah. Okay, well, it's kept, it's kept them as the giants of punk today. Um... The anthem of Are We the Waiting versus the uh, you've called it iconic. Welcome to the Black Parade. Yeah. The the avant gardeness, just the grand nature of everything that is going on. J- Jesus Christ, it's insane. If this I wrote down in my notes as I was listening to this, if this is a parade of the dead, this song emits a feeling that whoever's memory is, that whoever's died, their memory will live on, because we'll carry on. Yeah, yeah, We'll yeah. carry on. It yeah, gets that can, feeling yeah. of, okay, this person is dead now, but their memory will live forever. Yeah, I like it. Nice. And um, It's really interesting to, like, listen to what you've written down, like, when you've listened to it, to sort of, like, see what someone's thinking when they listen to it for the first time. It's like when you watch, like, those people react videos and stuff. Because, like, obviously I've listened to the album, like, a countless amount of times. Um yeah, it's really interesting. So so which one do you choose? It was tricky for me. This one actually was genuinely tricky because I, I, I do... F- I feel like I want to just let out a lot of terrible singing notes that I have in my vocal cords <laughs> when Are We The Waiting uh, come, uh, Are We The Waiting played. But my God, Welcome to the Black Road is quite the song, isn't it? <laughs> it is such a great song. It's an anthem. I mean, I feel like they both are anthems, but... I think I'll stand with you and go welcome to the Black Parade. Mm-hmm. Due to, yes, it, it, it it's the song that's... The, would you argue that it is the song that has defined the band? I, yeah, I would definitely say when people think of My Cam, they think of Welcome to the Black Parade. Right. Yeah. 
Now, if I were to click over to my fun facts here, I've got a fun facts sheet ready to share with you all. That's exciting. Welcome to the Black Parade song. The main character, the patient, has died of cancer and is taken to death via parade, which Jared Way apparently believes that death comes to you in the form of their fondest memory, and the fondest memory was a, seeing a marching band. Really? Yeah, that's what I found out. But what, what's that whole thing about, will you um, defeat them, your demons and all the non-believers? Yeah. Um, will you be the saviour of the broken, the beaten and the damned? What's what's all that about? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> what do you listeners at home think? Facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod and let's hear your suggestions. Furthermore, um, just I think this is also a good time to talk about um, the Black Parade's um, inspiration. Mm-hmm. They they said they were very inspired by Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh, Queen, and um, even Z- uh, David Bowie's Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. Do you see that? They're all great albums. I could definitely see that. The Wall can definitely understand The Wall. Um, I've listened to that album a lot. And now that you've said that, I actually do see the correlation with them in terms of Queen. Do you know which Queen album? I think it was A Night at the Opera they were very strong. Oh, like the one that has Bohemian Rhapsody on it. And then David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust. I mean, the one that I've listened to the most out of those three would be The Wall. And I can definitely like see the correlation between this album and The Wall. Because The Wall like tells a story about um, a person. A man's self-imposed isolation, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess like you could even sort of see that with Jesus, um, like the American idiot with Jesus of suburbia. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean like the walls, a concept album as well. I feel like it sort of yeah. goes, it, um, what do you say? Like fits in with the theme, the genre, the theme. Right. Not Up really to- the genre, but like the theme. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm not very good with identifying other bands Influence. I'm I'm genuinely not great with it, and I. But I read up that if we were to um, hawk back to the end, the song, the end, it has been compared to the opening track of Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh, in the flesh, the first song off the wall yeah. in the flesh. It has been compared to the end. The end has been compared to that song, and I feel like there's a bit of Pink Floyd influence in the, you know, at the end of Welcome to the Black Parade, where there's the marching drum in the outro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just hits one, it just hits a drum and it stops. I feel like that's very Pink Floyd-esque. That's just me thinking off the top of my head. Hmm, maybe. I don't really, I mean like Pink Floyd definitely has a lot of sound effects in their music, if that's what you mean. Like they have like, you know, in time they have like all the clocks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I also do listen to The Wall quite often. They have uh, snippets from TV shows in song transitions as well. So They have, yeah. like, seagulls at the start of um, Comfortably Numb. Do yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was yeah. listening School to that teachers song teachers leading into another brick in the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, that's where I would get that little bit of influence in. Yeah, I but, could yeah. see that. So all in all, we both agreed that Welcome to the Black Parade uh, trumps Are We the Waiting. So at this point in time, American Idiot stands three... To one for me and for Ellen, it stands as three to two in favour of also American Idiot. Oh boy, that's 
Is has that thrown you? Has that? I feel I feel like it does think? throw me a little bit because I would usually I would think like Black Parade hands down would be my favorite between the two. So you came in here thinking Black Parade would win. Yeah, but then you look at and listen to American Idiot. American Idiot has so many great songs on it as well, and I love American Idiot as well. All right. So yeah. All right. Let's continue on with this battle. Track six: Saint Jimmy versus I Don't Love You. I mean, I, I, I like both of them. I like Saint Jimmy. Um, he's like rebellious. Um, I like the character Saint Jimmy and how he runs through the whole album. This is his song. I like how he says, um, "My name is Saint Jimmy, and you better not wear it out." And then, at, like the end, is like, "And don't wear it out." Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my name, and don't wear it out. Yes, yeah, that's the that's, that's the name. line. Don't wear it out. And it's punk as f because I'm yeah. trying to avoid swearing on the show, but punk as f. It's a great song. Uh, in from in the realm of the concept. Is St. Jimmy an antagonist in this story? Because when I first listened to it, I thought he was like an antagonist to the main character. But then I looked into it a little bit, and it was like, Billy Joe has... Qu- I'm going to quote Billy jo- something Billy Joe Armstrong had said. It's part of a split personality that I think a lot of people have, and they get disconnected from themselves a little bit, and maybe follow a self-destructive path. I could definitely see that. Okay. Yeah. So would you see St. Jimmy as a bit more of an alter ego to the main character than... Uh, outright antagonist well like that that's why i said jesus of suburbia slash saint jimmy okay yeah they're like the same person <laughs> right but and i guess saint jimmy is like the rebellious rebellious like angry one and on the flip side i don't love you Which i one? love the song i don't love you i'll tell you about this that song is that it kind of starts off the same as that Elvis presley song um always on my mind do, right. do you know that song? I don't. Oh, I don't. It's just a shame. It has like the same chord progression. It sort of sounds kind of similar. Okay. Um. So when I first heard it, I was like, it sounds like that Elvis song. I think that I Don't Love You is like perfectly placed. I love how Welcome to Black Parade sort of goes into I Don't Love You. Um. I love the message in I Don't Love You. How he says, would you have the guts to say um, I don't love you like I did yesterday? I love... It's a great song. Uh, I believe it's the first. It's the first ballad of the album. Um, through your knowledge of MCR, is that their first ballad in general, like in their entire catalog, or it, would you? I don't know. No, they have ballads in um, Three Cheers for Sweet Sweet Revenge, right? Which did come out before this, so this isn't their first one. Okay, it's just the first one on the album. Uh, I'm giving my point to Saint Jimmy. I'm gonna give it to I don't love you. <laughs> We're differing again. That That's all good. That song is I love that song. Like when I've listened to Black Parade and goes into Welcome to Black Parade and then goes into I Don't Love You. I just love that transition between the two songs. I think that's really important. That's like one thing I wanted to point out. It's really I think it's really important, especially in concept albums of like the placement of the songs and how they go into each other. And I definitely think that that transition between those two songs is really good. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm just a sucker for alter ego characters. Oh, really? Have I think seen, I'm just um, a sucker for that, and that's why I've given it to St. Jimmy. Have you seen Fight Club? Uh, Fight Club. Uh, no one talked about Fight Club, correct? Don't talk about Fight Club. First of all, yeah, 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 that. yeah. Haven't seen the film, aware of that line, that's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish. You should watch it. I wish. It's pretty This good is coming movie. from a, a, a guy with a media diploma. 
<laughs> yet I'm not as much of a film guru as I should be. But it's the same with me. I got a degree in screen media and then want to be a photographer <laughs> and then want to be a nutritionist. So. Well, there you go. We've all got our aspirations in <laughs> life, don't we? Here I am with a diploma in screen and media, film and television. Here I am doing an audio podcast. Ah, well. It happens. Okay, we're at the halfway point of this battle. Yeah. Give me Novocaine versus House of Wolves. That's an interesting comparison. I mean, I feel like um, Give Me Novocaine is like a smooth, sort of like more relaxing, a mellow, tamer song is what I'm trying to say, after St. Jimmy. Um, it's sort of like a, uh, like a, what do you say, like a mellow relief after like the punk and rebelliousness of St. Jimmy. Um... Give Me Novocaine isn't the one where he says Jesus of Suburbia is a lie. I'm pretty sure that's Are We the Waiting um, where he says that. And then House of Wolves is a good song, but I feel like House of Wolves is a bit of a filler song. Really? It, yeah, it's a bit of a filler between I Don't Love You and Cancer. Do you um, know what's funny? What? I didn't really care too much about Give Me Novocaine, and I really, really enjoyed House of Wolves. Really? <laughs> I really enjoyed House of Wolves. It, found, it sounded like a poetic car crash. Really? Mostly during the uh, the outro that's like, you know, I'm a bad, 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 bad man, bad, bad. How's it go? Uh, something like that. <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like House of Wolves, but I definitely think it's more of a filler song between I Don't Love You and Cancer, whereas I feel like Give Me Novocaine is, like I said before, like that mellow relief after St. Jimmy flows really well into that song. Um, so I would give my point to Give Me Novocaine. Give Me Novocaine. That's, that's very interesting. I don't know. I didn't. It's funny if that's the mellow, um, mellow relief. You could say the same thing about Boulevard, and I love Boulevard, and yet I didn't really care too much to give bit about. But Bull- Boulevard is like not as mellow as Give Me Novocaine. Like what way? Well, it's still more upbeat. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I think it flows really well from Saint Jimmy to Give Me Novocaine, and I like the lyrics in Give Me Novocaine. I'm sort of related to it because when you've been like. I know, in your dark days, and you're sort of feeling a bit depressed when you listen to Give Me Novocaine, you sort of think, you know. Okay. All right. You sort of relate to that sort of thing, but um, that's another reason why I choose that song. And um, in the meantime, on the flip side, I was going to give my point to House of Wolves, and um, my my thought was is that I could, if I were to shut my eyes and listen to that song right now, I would be envisioning like either myself or someone running away from some evil force. That's not at all what I got from that. Really? No, nah, House of Wolves. I always got like, um, like yeah. I I'm I'm like, sort of like picturing the song in my head. But um, I definitely didn't get running away from evil Let force. Let me just. I, I I can I can relate to the running away, but not from an evil force. I also wrote down in my notes here: ripping apart innocence bit by bit, especially verse two. If I could just read that out: you play ring around the ambulance, well, like you never gave a care. So get the choir boys around you. It's a compliment, I swear. And I said, ashes to ashes, we all fall down. I want to hear you sing the praise. I said, ashes to ashes, we all fall down. We got innocence for days. It's a great song. I love it. <laughs> it's a great song. Did I manage to flip you or is that... No, I'm, I'm still giving it to give me Novocaine. I'm, okay. I, no, I said before, I love every song on the Black Parade. Some like more than others, but like I said, I feel like I feel like it's a bit of a filler song. It's not a massive standout song for me. Okay, that's why I give I'm giving it to Give Me Novocaine because that song is something that has stood out to me. Right. Yeah, as a listener and 
like I said, with the transitioning between the two songs. Okay. We're now halfway through. Yeah. Halfway through. Seven out of a possible 14, if we're going to include blood at the end of the episode. Both of us stand 4-3 in favour of American Idiot. All right. Track eight. She's a Rebel versus Cancer. All right. I... The song she she's a rebel is it's it's like a good song it's upbeat it's not my favorite song like I wouldn't always go out of the out of my way to listen to it whereas the song cancer is just like emotionally um it's just like really emotionally draining the song cancer is really sad I used to like seeing all the lyrics to it and um um did you know Twenty One Pilots did a cover of cancer? I found out about that in researching that, yeah. But if you listen to the difference between them, the Twenty One Pilots is like very soft and sort of um Soft and delicate? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Whereas the MyCam version is like his um the 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 way that I've described it is that like his knows that he's not gonna make it but he's like not going out without a fight. Really? Yeah. Hmm. You know what's interesting? Uh, I went on Song Facts again yeah. to look up cancer, and what I got from it was the patient is in terrible pain, but their primary concern is the pain in leaving their loved ones behind. Yeah, I can. Which see I that. guess that is a probably ver- a universal mindset if you were suffering cancer. The song cancer is so sad because he's like, um, I'll never marry, and he's saying about like bury me in all my favorite colors and. Yeah. It's it's really it's, sad. It's it's, it's yeah. really sad. Um whereas on the flip side, she's rebel. We're in, we're introduced to a I called her a punk rock girl. Her like name is kind of, what's her name? Yeah, why do you reckon that is? That that's just her name. Her name is that's what's her name. That's just the name. What's her name? <laughs> she, cause he doesn't know what her name is. He doesn't know what her name is. And oh. that's why you know in the musical like there's like a what's her name character. Like that that that's her name. There you go. She sounds like a proper tom girl. <laughs> Sounds like a badass, like a bad. Yeah. 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 I'd argue that too. Yeah, she seemed pretty cool. Well, I mean, like, this song is she, she's a rebel, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ad- admittedly, um, what's her name is described as a fun, free spirited girl. So, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, in fairness, I think. Do you know what? I It didn't really. Cancer didn't really do too much to me, but now I'm starting to warm up to a little bit, so that's why I'd give it the point. What would you do? I give it to Cancer hands down. Hands down. Well, you said that Cancer didn't even do much for you. That song, from the moment I heard it, I was, um, you know, emotionally I I w- invested. <laughs> I must have still been um, on a high from House of Wolves. <laughs> yeah, it is very, um, it goes from, it has that beautiful piano and it goes from that very upbeat House of Wolves into a very sort of sad piano melody in yeah. Cancer. Just purely piano and vocals. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to track nine. Extraordinary Girl versus Mama. Yeah. You know, my thing here that's from Wikipedia says that Mama features Liza Minnelli. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't remember Liza being on that. But anyway, <laughs> Extraordinary Girl is, again, not one of my favorite songs from the album. I guess it starts off with, like, those, uh, like, it, the bongos. Yeah, it started off with bongo drums. Yeah. Um, it's it's good. It's it's upbeat. Like I said, it's catchy. I, 
I said in my notes here, lyrics are narrator-ish. Quite nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I think that Mama is my favourite song out of the two because it's very dark. Um, I'd agree, actually. Yeah, and I've always, um, you know, like being in the state of mind listening to these albums, I've enjoyed sort of like the dark and um, depraved sort of... um, Yeah, this one's a very much more psychedelic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, outright psychedelic. I mean, I looked, I listened, and it's like, okay, it's got a creepy nursery vibe, nursery rhyme by, and it sounds really sinister. A nursery rhyme by? What do you mean? Vibe. I should have said. Oh, vibe. I should have said vibe. Oh. Um, and then there's uh, a point in the bridge where the ri- the riffs are really damn sinister. <laughs> there's this is really sinister riff in the bridge, and it makes it sound. It sounds like we're descending into hell at this very moment. That's because it says, "Mama, we are, we all, we go, all to go to hell." hell. I like how I mean. <laughs> It's so dark. I love how it comes out of cancer and goes into Mama, though, because it's yeah. like he's dying of cancer. And then the next song is Mama, We All Go to it Hell. It puts you off with, it sounds like you're singing a sinister nursery rhyme. Then we're descending into hell. And apparently this song is, it's implied that it's narrating a series of letters between a soldier at war and his mum. Uh, the mother is played by uh, a singer and actress, Lisa Minnelli who is the daughter of uh, Ju- Judy Garland. I Gall. just said that. Liza Minnelli. Yeah. What, so it does have her in it? Yes. Wait, so what... The mother. Wait, so... so it would be the mother's um. Is she actually work. in the in the song? Is she yeah. in it? So so which which part is she? I think she's the part where it's the spoken... The female spoken word bit. I believe. I'm I just taking a guess. I remember the female spoken word bit. I'm just bit. taking a guess. But genuinely... Just because Extraordinary Girl doesn't do too much for me, I'd give it to Mama because I got a lot of... I got a lot of... Um... Fun reactions to that. I really enjoyed listening to that one a lot. <laughs> I love how the start of it starts off sort of bouncy and then like with like the, it the gets beat. sinister and, and then, psychedelic. Yeah, it gets really sinister and at the end it's like creepy clown music. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It ends with a sinister nursery yes. rhyme again. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a great song. I give it to Mama as well. I think Mama is better than Extraordinary Girl. Okay. That has actually shifted the lead, Ellen. The score now stands 5-4 both ways in favour of the Black Parade. Yeah. Do you think they can keep its lead? I'm not sure. <laughs> the moment, I reckon the moment we start differing, we could have a draw on our hands. Yeah. You nervous about that? I am a little bit nervous. <laughs> you know, we want to... Because this is a very age-old debate. So I had Reese McKenzie of Iscarian in to discuss... Um, uh, Rust in Peace versus Master of Puppets, the Metallica and Megadeth debate, we were unable to settle it. Uh, I, I just get the feeling that this is one of those debates. Yeah, and I guess it also depends on who you talk to as well. I mean, everyone sort of has... Um, like, some people would be like, yeah, it's my cam, and then some people like, American Idiot, all yeah. the way. Like, Yeah, it's hard because both albums have, like, um, you know, like, emotionally... Like emotional investment, like I have emotional, I have emotional investment in both albums. Is what I'm trying to say. If I right. can like get the words out, um, so it's like sort of hard, um, you know, right to pick one. Now, obviously, this battle because it's the two of us, it could run the risk of be turning into a draw, and I reckon this is the one that could split it. Letter bomb versus sleep. When I first listened to it, sleep didn't do too much to me, but I quite enjoyed letter bomb. So, by default, I'm probably going to give it to Letter Bomb. Do you like that bit at the start where it's like, Nobody likes you. Everyone loves Yes. You. What do you get from that? Um. Yeah, I mean, like, I can, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
we all have at some point in our lives. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> they all out without, without you, you having fun. fun. And then immediately, where have all the bastards gone? The underbelly stacks up ten high. The dummy failed the crash test collecting unemployment checks. <laughs> But I must admit, when I first listened to it, I I kind of got this feeling that yeah, I got a feeling that Letterbomb it, it it was very it's a very story driven song. This is a much more stronger stronger story driven. Was it an epiphany that Jesus of Suburbia has decided that the city isn't crap, that he's moved into crap, or his hometown it isn't crap? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. In the meantime. I'm giving my point to Letterbomb because Sleep the Song didn't too much to me, but researching how they devised the song creeped the hell out of me. Yeah. Are you aware of some of the stories of how this song was written? No. Please enlighten me. (laughs) (laughs) This 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 creeped me out. I'd love to I'd love to know if you think this is legit or not. Apparently, during the period of recording the album, they stayed at a haunted estate called the Paramore Mansion. And Jared Way describes the song as a night terror that he had experienced. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it says that in the song. I mean, I personally, yes. between the two songs, I like Sleep better. Like, I want to give okay. my point to Sleep. I like how Sleep also sort of goes in, flows in with those three. Like, I've always sort of thought of the Black Parade in terms of, like, um, groups of songs that flow well together. I think that cancer goes in with uh, sleep goes in with cancer and mama is like that three part song. I feel like because it has cancer then mama then sleep. Um, sleep's really good. I like how it's like three cheers for tyranny. Do you know that bit? Yes. Unapologetic yeah. apathy. I've always really liked the song sleep. Just the lyrics in it have always sort of um, re- resonated with me. Um, probably not sleeping in a haunted house, but <laughs> <laughs> but just some of the other lyrics that it has. Um, yeah, they're really good. I like sleep, and like I said, I think it flows well with the other songs. All right, next up, "Wake Me Up When September Ends" versus "Teenagers." What are your thoughts? Wake me up when September ends. Yeah, I think that's a better song. <laughs> <laughs> we could have just gone one, two, three. Wake me up. I'll tell you what, though. When I saw Green Day, they didn't even perform it. They didn't play they it. They didn't perform it. They didn't play it, no. Wow. Um, I was, like, waiting. I wanted to hear it. Um, obviously, I mean, I can play that song on the guitar as well. Um, it's one of the right. few songs that I remember from my guitar days. Um, but it's Wake Me Up When September Ends is a story of Billy Joe when he was a child. His father died. His father died in September. Apparently, he locked himself in his room and said, Wake Me Up When September Ends. The story of the song tells the story of him when it's been seven years since his father died. And then later in the song, it says it's been 17. 20. It's been 20 years since his father passed. Um... Yeah, and it's just sort of like dealing with, I guess, like dealing with the grief of that. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's really, really good song. On the other hand, the song at te- teenagers. Yeah. It's it's upbeat. It's fun. I like it. It sort of s- tells the story about how everyone's sort of scared of teenagers, and you don't really know what they'll do. It says stuff about like gun use and like violence uh-huh, um, associated okay. with teenagers. It says stuff about them like. Um, they, he says like another cog in the murder machine before it goes into like teenagers scare the, 
the singer Jared Way, he sounds very sinister. He sounds like someone I'd be like good friends with. <laughs> I think that's why I love okay. my chem so much. I feel like me and Jared would get away would get along well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's that. That's that's healthy, I guess. Well, <laughs> admittedly, the sad, the more sad songs you listen to, the more it will probably empower you long term. Exactly. So I guess so. Yeah, but there's something gut wrenching about waking up when September ends. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's a um it's like a it's a slow one compared yeah. to the other ones. It's um sort of more acoustic, I think. At at least at the beginning, maybe the guitars come in it towards the end. I don't know. Mm. But it's sort of it's acoustic at the beginning. Um, yeah. But you can hear the pain. You, you can. can hear the pain. You can you feel can. it. Yeah. I, I'd also argue it's also a very self-reflective song. It, it's taking a moment to process the memories, the thoughts, the emotions. You know, a proper grief. Yeah. It's proper raw grief. And yeah, that it, it that resonates with anyone. That that's got my point. Absolutely. Exactly my point as well. Sweet. Okay, we're coming up to the final stretch, Ellen. <laughs> Would you like to hear have a score update? Yeah, I do. Currently, in my scoring system, American Idiot leads six to five. I'm in your case, one. the Black Parade leads six to five. So we are heading down Draw Highway. We're heading yeah. down Draw Boulevard. Yeah, <laughs> Draw Boulevard. There are t- yep. There are two songs left on American Idiot. Let's see if that changes anything. Homecoming versus Disenchanted. Now, Disenchanted is another ballad. It is, yes. And Homecoming is very similar to Jesus of Suburbia, where yeah. it's a nine-minute song split into five parts. Yeah, that's that's correct, yeah. How are we going to distinguish between these two? I feel like um, Homecoming, like you just said, is very similar to Jesus of Suburbia. Those two songs go hand in hand. I like how Homecoming sort of at the end of the second last song of the album and Jesus of Suburbia was the second was okay, the second yep. song. A little full so, circle moment. Yeah, yeah. I think that placement is really good. I like um you know, I mean it says like the death of Saint Jimmy and then we're yeah. coming home again. Um with Disenchanted, I, I I mean, I think that I would give my point to Disenchanted because the lyrics sort of are more um I sort of feel like I, I relate to the lyrics more in Disenchanted. It's sort of like a sad song. It's another one of those, like, songs where it sort of feels like um, things are... It's sort of like acceptance in a way that, like, things are bad and there's nothing you can do about it. Hmm. Um, at least that's what I got from it. I, I looked at it as a teenage angst song. This was... this was I actually... This is probably... I prefer this song more to I Don't Love You, which is the other ballad on the song. Oh, really? This is, yeah, I prefer this one to... I don't love you. I'm just looking at I this I like song. I don't love you. <laughs> You're just a sad song with nothing to say about a lifelong wait from a hospital stay. Well, if you think that I'm wrong, this never meant nothing to ya. Not you, ya. Oh, I love it. It's so sad. It, it is. <laughs> I just it's, love sad things. <laughs> it's kind of like, it, it's sad. It's got a bit of a, little bit of teenage angst about it. And I would say, you're just a sad song with nothing to say. Is that is that calling out self-centered behavior i just got that that just popped in my head when i listened to it for some reason let's argue do you reckon calling out your self-centeredness what say this singer is calling out to somebody else saying they're self-centered calling out to yourself like looking in within yourself and realizing you're just a sob story (laughs) 
and you should improve That's yourself. Definitely not the message I got from. No, okay. <laughs> so I'm just being silly. I'm thinking way too no everyone hard. has like different interpretations of yeah, things yeah. That, that that's why music is so great it's because it's so subjective and everyone gets different things from it yeah and and music means different things to different people as well but at the same time you know how i was just mentioning with wake me up when september ends that was the you know it's a sad song but it's a moment to take grief and a lot of sad music makes you want to feel empower yourself at the end i could make that argument for disenchanted yeah. It's, it's you know, a call to improve yourself, make yourself better, becoming a better person. At the same time, well, ripping your heart out. And what was your thoughts on Homecoming? Homecoming, I preferred to Jesus of Suburbia. Really? Genuinely. I preferred that to Jesus of Suburbia. I liked I'm I liked that no, the part three, Nobody Likes You, that paid off the letter bomb intro. Yeah. yeah it sets up the element of the... Everyone left you, and then it it gets paid off in that part of the song. Yeah, what do you reckon rock and roll girlfriends all about? Because it's just it's, it's like the Trey classic. Cool. That is sung by uh, drummer Trey Cool. Yeah, uh, and, and he is so cool. Is he? <laughs> he is actually. When I saw Green Day, he had green hair. Okay, <laughs> it was like blue or green or something like a, like aqua, like bluish greenish. He's like such a cool guy. Right. But what I got from what I got from Homecoming, it's Jesus of Suburbia, your main character, your main protagonist, call it what you will. Yeah. He's got ridded himself of his alter ego, um, Saint Jimmy. It, this is the point where he's Yeah, well I mean like the first one is the death of Saint Jimmy. Yeah. It's like the end the ending of like an era, mm. quote unquote. He's returning to the home he ran away from exactly, in the very beginning. Yeah. But and it, it's kinda like this feeling, you know, there's this comforting feeling about it. He's coming home again, but you know. I mean, like, it could even be, like, you could think it's not even about like, um, he's going to, like, a physical house or, like, anything but like that. But, like, he's going from where he was in the state of being St. Jimmy back to, like, what he used to, or, like, back to where he came from or, like, and who he used to be sort of thing. Do you reckon, like, rediscovering himself? Yeah, yeah. That okay. sort of thing. Um, we're coming home again. All in all, Put in, we've that was a good analysis that one. What would what who who's getting the point? I'm giving it to Disenchanted. Um, because Homecoming's not a song that I've really um, um listened to a whole lot. It's not something. It's not one that you seek out all that often. No, no, okay. not really. I mean, like Homecoming and Jesus of Suburbia. I like Jesus of Suburbia. Um as like my favorite between those two. And when I saw Green Day, <laughs> when I saw this Green is Day, all going back to when you saw Green Day, <laughs> best night of my life. Um they performed the whole Jesus of Suburbia, the whole thing. All 9 minutes of it. Okay. Yeah, long song. That's a lot of set time. Long song, great song. They went for two and a half hours. That's good. It was That's a long a concert. <laughs> That's a good amount of time. It was great. It felt so quick though, cuz yeah. they came on at like 8 p.m. and they finished at 10:30. And it's like that two and a half hours just flew by. Sounds like a night well spent. Definitely. I prefer Homecoming to Jesus of Suburbia. And at the same time, I prefer Disenchanted to the other ballad, I Don't Love You. I'm like the opposite of and you. <laughs> funny enough, huh? Well, yes. good debates. what this podcast is for. I'm taking Disenchanted with you. Yeah. I'm going to take it with you. Right. I, I, I think it does help that it's a little bit shorter. But as much as I like, you know, in your face... In your face energy. I don't mind. Be I'm also a sucker for ballads, and 
if it's a really good ballad, I'm going to enjoy it. Good song. I'm taking Dischanted. So, we're at the final two tracks of the main album, dis- discluding the hidden track. The scores currently stand at six apiece for me, and it's seven to five in the favour of Black Parade for our former Mosh Pit EP here. There you go. Yes. You know, I played my cam a lot of times on Mosh Pit. I think I also played Green Day a bit. I remember um, Rumble Mosh Pit season four last year. I played <laughs> Jesus of Suburbia and Reese. We started like getting Reese started getting energetic. He started, he, like, started dancing, dancing. On, and then he knocked a microphone out of its stand. <laughs> and we got it all on like camera. <laughs> it's all on camera. <laughs> Whether we'll release the footage, we'll never know. Either way, either way, could you please send it to facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod? Please do it there. That'd be fun. Either way. The final songs, What's Her Name versus Famous Last Words. I mean, these are two, I mean, I feel like they're very different ends to an album because I feel like Famous Last Words is such like a strong and powerful end to the album. Whereas I feel like What's Her Name is sort of like a more mellow, sort of um, like a reminiscent end. Definitely very reminiscent. I would most definitely agree with that. When I listened to that, because actually that was the first time I'd listened to it, it reminded me of like the ending credits to a film. Yeah. It'd be the soundtrack to the to the end credits. Yeah. I mean, what what's the name sort of tells the story of um like a guy not a, well, like it's a g- Jesus of Suburbia. <laughs> Jesus. The character. <laughs> the character, no. not the song. I said a guy, but what's her name is about like the girl um yes. he used to know her but then I guess they parted ways and he doesn't remember her name but it's, he, there's like a line I re- remember the face but I can't recall can't the name. I remember the name. Maybe that's yeah, where the name What's Her Name came name from. It's maybe. such a great song. Maybe I love What's Her Name. That's one of my favourite tracks from the whole album. Is it? Yeah. Wow, okay. I just saw it as the end credits. No so. way. I feel like What's Her Name's definitely... I mean, I feel like it sort of leaves off. You would see it as like a to-be-continued, sort of like a dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and I do remember reading, um, just in research to this show, um, that's how Green Day kind of intended it. They intended to have it have a little bit of a confusing ending to it and leave it open to the listener's interpretation. So who knows what could have happened to Jesus of Suburbia. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Whereas... I- what about famous last words? It's such a strong ending. It's it's a very powerful, yeah. very powerful ending. It's like the final, um, what do you call it? Like the final hurrah, I guess. The last hurrah. Yeah, the last hurrah. Um, where it says, "I am not afraid to." Where does he say? Um, keep on living. Keep on living. I'm yeah. not afraid to that's walk it. this world alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that's <laughs> Down the, that's if it. You stay, you'll be forgiven. <laughs> Nothing Come on, let's you finish can it. Say can, what's the end of nothing? Nothing you can, you can say, say can, can stop me going home. Can stop me going home. Apparently, for the band, this is also quite a a uniting of the band because I'm not sure if this has got something to do with living in a haunted house while recording the album. But apparently, it was written for Mikey Way. He's the bassist who had left the band during the recording of the album. Uh if if it was because of staying in the haunted house, I don't know. Could be a factor, but I, I know I'd leave a band if they forced me to stay in a haunted house. <laughs> but he was brought back after hearing this song. Really? Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I didn't if know If someone that. wants to fact check that, go right ahead. Yeah. 
But apparently, Mikey Way was about to head off, was on his way out, and it took listening to this song to bring him back. I mean, I feel like it's sort of like, in a way, it's kind of like a play. It's sort of like a... Um, I mean, it's sort of like a like a message of power, of like triumph, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not afraid to keep on living. And then it says... I've got, got a sense of optimism about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it says, song. like, nothing you can say can stop me going home. It's like... This this album does play around the, the idea of death. Yeah, absolutely. It plays around death. Do you think this part, this song can symbolise, like, new life ahead as an implication? Like, there's a new life ahead? Or is it, like, an entry into the afterlife? What do you... Do you reckon that's a viable argument to make i always saw it as like the last words i mean like it's called famous last words but i always saw it as like the ending of like an era i guess like the ending of um you know something trying to think of like what i'm trying to say here (laughs) it's obviously something significant yeah yeah it's hard to put it into words sometimes like what sort of what you get from songs um but if you if you look at the lyrics, um, especially the lyrics in the chorus, I mean, like when it starts up, it's like, um, "Now I know that I can make you stay." You know that bit. But where's your but heart? But where's your heart? <laughs> yeah, um, I sort of say it's maybe like the parting of two people, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. How you said it's like Mikey Way came back after it. That, after he heard it, it makes sense. Like, I always saw it as, like, the parting between two people. It's something that the person singing is saying to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With all that being said, these are the final two songs. Okay. Who wins out of these two? Uh, It's sort of, like, hard to give, to choose between those two. <laughs> I would say I'd give it to What's Her Name. What's Her Name? Yeah, okay. that song's been really... Um, a song that's sort of like meant a lot to me, and I think I relate. A lot of people can relate to the message that it's sort of saying that, like the person is saying in the song. Um, how it says like now, I wonder how what's her name has been. Yeah, it, sort of thing about people that you used to know. People like, you used to know, and you wonder where they're at. Exactly, exactly, and it's sort of like a reminiscent, um, like a nostalgic sort of thing. Yeah, nostalgic. Thinking of yeah, the yeah. times. Um. Then Famous Last Words, like we said, um, that one's very powerful. They're very different feels, both of the songs. Different feels. I prefer the power to the nostalgia. Really? I mean, I'm a very, I'm a sentimental person. (laughs) 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 Maybe that's why I like Once again, when I heard What's Her Name, it it felt like if I was watching American Idiot as a movie, this would be playing as the credits roll. Really? It says like... Um, thought I ran into you down on the street, then it turned out to only be a dream. Are you now, are you now going to imply that this whole story was a dream? The photographs. <laughs> are you now going to imply this is all a dream? No, that, that's what it says in the song. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't say it was all a dream. No, he's saying that he the, the line of the song is, I thought I ran into you down on the street, then it turned out to only be a dream. Ah, okay. So that's yeah. pro- that's it's, so it's more of a self-reflection thing then. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. There. He's thinking of um him and the girl, and what's her name? What's her name? Because of the power, and because of the optimistic, uh, the optimistic interpretation I take, it could be completely different to you listening at home. But I s- hear a bit of optimism about it, and there's quite a bit of power in famous last words, and that's where I'm giving my point. I feel like famous last words, like a. 
dying, so I'm kind of like, this is at the, at the same time, yes. That, <laughs> I mean, that, it, that it runs happen. in with the theme of death that runs through the Black Parade. But for me, personally, between Famous Last Words and What's Her Name, I 100% give it to What's Her Name. All right. Okay. Now it's time for the uncontested hidden track of the Black Parade, MCR, Blood. Okay. It's only about a minute long. About yeah, a minute it's a short song. And something long. And it's very carnival. You know how I was talking about the sinister nursery rhymes in Mama? Yes, it is. It's similar it's, to that. It is. It's very similar to that. I mean, Carnival-esque. When like you'd hear you... it at a country fair. Country <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I, de- I definitely, definitely, I definitely feel that. I now, feel like, um... The way to give this a point, the way I'm going to give it to the overall score is if you like this song so much that you would seek it out again and give it a gold star. If you don't give it a gold star, it receives a grey star and no point. I mean, I feel like, say, <laughs> I feel like, what did you do? Nothing. <laughs> I feel like um, listening to the album, um, Blood's sort of like an interesting one that just comes on, as it says, I mean, I have it here, it says Hidden Track starts at one thirty one. Yeah. So you have like a minute and a half of silence after Famous Last Words. Um, I mean, I I sort of like, I, I'm fond of it when it comes on when I'm listening to the album, but I guess I wouldn't really go out of my way to listen to it extensively all the time. Sort of like it's I. Yeah, it's sort of like a weird ending to the album. Admittedly, yes. <laughs> Admittedly, yes. It says stuff like, give them blood, blood. Yeah. Is Jared Way a vampire because of this song? Can Maybe. we call him a vampire? Is it the patient who is now dead in the afterlife? Has he re-emerged as a vampire? Because if he wants blood, obviously. Mm, I don't know. I, n- n- I never got that. I never really understood what the whole blood thing was about. I th- always sort of thought it was kind of like a... Sort of like a sarcastic, like joking song. I never thought it. Yeah. I never thought it was anything serious. All right. Either way, it's getting to get a grey star for me. I don't really give too much care into this song. Yeah, I give it a grey star. Grey well. star. So no point goes to blood. Hooray! That's a shame. <laughs> so I mean, it's 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 fun for me when it comes on, but like it's fun memory of like listening to the album from start to finish and it coming on. But the song by itself um, doesn't really stand. Well, so that's we are now at the end of the battle. The dust has settled. I can reveal that the first point, the overall point, Ellen Pritchard's winner via seven points to six was MCR's The Black Parade. So you're saying that MCR's the winner? For myself, as your host, Jason Evans... Seven points to six, the Black Parade. Here, the winner of the battle, My Chemical Romance, the Black Parade. Yeah, what a great album. Well done, Black Parade. You have survived American Idiot. Well done. Well done. I just wanted to put it out there as well. I had the release dates. American Idiot was released on 20th September 2004, and Black Parade was about two years later on 23rd of October 2006. So Black Parade also has like that two-year differential in time. I guess so, yeah. Not that it really makes that much difference, but... <laughs> Funny enough, American Idiot went went on to become a, a touring musical. 
That's right. How much would you? How much of your? Uh, how much of your limbs would you give to see a Black Parade musical? Oh my god, that would. That's like so, yeah. I, I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be something you'd want to see. Let's be absolutely. Fair. I wanted to see the Green Day. There's a gr- the Green Day. The American Idiot musicals on at the moment, like Phoenix Theater. It's not like a massive one, but like I want to see it. Like, yeah, I love the American. The I mean, like I watched like you know the Broadway Idiot when it was on Broadway. They made the documentary about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the musical for American Idiot seems really good. But Black Parade as a musical, can you even imagine how they would do that? <laughs> I feel like I feel like you'd half already get it because apparently uh, at live shows, My Chemical Romance would they would include a lot of Black Parade theatrics to their performances. Like for example, I read up that when they played the end to start the show, they bring out Jared Way on a hospital bed. Yeah, I mean, like it has to be a hospital bed because it has the the beeping of like the monitor. Yes, it's this. It's like the first introduction to the album. It sets the mood for the whole album. Can I just give you? I'll give you a picture then. Just imagine the piano part and the 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 quiet intro to "Welcome to the Black Parade" and the band are performing in front of a curtain, and then when they hit the when they when the drums hit, the curtain comes crashing down. And they have a massive marching band at the back playing the song live. That sounds pretty sick. But we'll never hear it because they broke up. About how long was it? Seven years after this album. Uh, yeah, it was two thousand thirteen, and then. Jared Way has done, I think, solo stuff. Frank Frankiero has gone on to do his own stuff. I don't know about the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the quality inside you here on the Great Metal Stand of Ellen. You happy that it was the Black Parade? Yeah, I'm really happy. Black Parade's an awesome album. I mean, both albums are really great. Um, it could have gone either way. Congratulations to the Black Parade. Thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully in podcast down the line, we have you back in the studio to discuss more classic punk albums right here on the Great Metal Standoff. Don't worry, we're going to cover all kind of things that are under that massive rock umbrella because rock and roll. Thank you very much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. Big thanks again to Ellen for taking part in the battle on this edition of the Great Metal Standoff. It was a conversation done very well. Now, as I mentioned throughout this show, Ellen was a former executive producer on Sin's heavy metal and punk demonium program, Mosh Pit. Times have changed over at Mosh Pit. If you want to find out what's going on on Mosh Pit right now, be sure to tune into the show Thursdays at 8pm on Sin 90.7 FM, digital radio, and at our website, sin.org.au. Now, just before we wrap up, I just would like to take some time to quickly fact-check myself of something I did say throughout the on the podcast. As we were discussing the song Boulevard of Broken Dreams, I was talking about a spectacular performance at Glastonbury. Uh, that is incorrect. I fact-checked myself. That live performance I was talking about was actually at the Reading Festival in 2013, so I just thought I'd clear that up. And also, just for the sake of fun, there was a little fun fact that I did want to mention during the show when we were discussing She's a Rebel, because I really did think it was interesting, but I did forget to get around to it, and we had moved on by the time I did remember. So I thought I'll mention it right now. Here's a little fun fact, bonus fun fact, if you will, that uh, describes She's a Rebel. This is a point where Jesus of Suburbia meets What's-Her-Name, a fun, free-spirited girl. Now, the fu- here's the fun fact. The lyric, and she's holding me onto my heart like a hand grenade, was what inspired the album's cover art, the famous cover art of the hand-holding the heart grenade. The artist, Chris Bilheimer, who designed the cover, drew inspiration from the lyric, the musical content, 
and the poster for the 1955 film The Man with the Golden Arm. There you go. little bonus fun fact you get here on The Great Metal Standoff. How fantastic is that? Either way, American Idiot, fantastic album, but as you heard, it came up a little bit short. Put up an incredible fight, but the Black Parade reigns supreme. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for me right here on The Great Metal Standoff. I hope you enjoyed this exploration into the world of pop punk. On a podcast named The Great Metal Standoff, it was a bit of a gamble, but we like to diversify our content. We're going to make sure we cover all grounds. It may have metal in title, but we will cover all grounds. We could cover punk. We could cover prog. We could cover some tech death. That, then again, that's technically metal, isn't it? Ah, well, we're not afraid to explore any genre. Be sure to keep up to date with the Great Metal Standoff on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod and be sure to check out all of our podcasts on sin.org.au Thank you very much. I've been Jason Evans. We'll see you till the next one. Over and out. Metal up your ass!